0: Hey, welcome to Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. He is Nick Cope. We are part of the Learfield IMG College Network with UCLA. We host their coaches show. So excited to bring you a new series. All Bruin Talk UCLA. We are embedded within the program. We will provide analysis, our expertise, and we are so thrilled to be part of this Locked on Bruins series. Of course, you can find us on Twitter for Nick Cope N K O O P and I'm at Brian Fenley on Twitter and also on Twitter you can find the Twitter handle of our show that is Locked on Bruins as we get ready Nick for football season and a new basketball coach in Westwood.
1: I can't think of a more fascinating time to to start this show with Kind of the change you have with UCLA's premier sports, I guess, Chip Kelly, not really a change, but going into that second year, all the change we had last year, how does that translate into year number two? Everyone expecting a big jump, fans, everyone seemingly expecting this team to do a lot better than that 3-9 and record last year. All those young players got that valuable experience. So who's going to step up? It was Joshua Kelly last year. We're going to have a couple more players kind of become stars of this team. And then with Mick Cronin and the basketball team, how is his defensive mind going to affect the guys that have been around for a couple years? What is that team going to look like? And then we're going to get some new freshmen and also Tiger Campbell and Sharif O'Neill. We weren't able to see them last year in their freshman year. And so that, how is that all going to mesh together? Really fascinated come November. And then of course we'll touch on the Olympic sports as the year goes on with so many talented teams, soccer and then baseball and softball and and the like once we get into uh, the next semester.
0: Well, coming up in less than a week, we've got the fall camp starting for UCLA football. Nick, you are at Pac-12 Media Day, and one of the biggest things that came out of that for UCLA was Keyshawn Luce, yourself, His absence, he will be a senior linebacker. He's going to miss at least three games. That, according to coach, focusing on academics. Now, if there is one position where you can afford to not have one of your stars, it's got to be the linebacker core. Nick, you've got a lot of guys coming back. Joshua Woods, he'll be there. Bo Calvert and, and others. So you have Chris Barnes, you have other guys. But when you think about the lack of pass rush, and that's something we're going to talk a lot about leading into the season, you're going to really miss a Keyshawn Luther South because he led the team in tackles for a loss last year and led the team in sacks with four. So they have got to find a way. To work around his absence until they can get him back for Pac 12 season.
1: Yeah, it's really going to put a lot of pressure on guys like Osa Odegizua on the end of the defensive line. He, along with KLS, was probably the best pass rusher last year, certainly the most consistent. Um, and you certainly hope the linebacking position can stay healthy this year. Josh Woods coming back from injury. Um, Tyree Thompson in the middle there as well. Toyaloa brothers can they make an impact so, so hopefully it, w- it wasn't for certain that he's going to be back for game 4 that that's the target date it, it was kind of interesting earlier in the day uh everyone had a chance to talk with Joshua Kelly and Chris Barnes and the mood was oh yeah he's definitely playing and they didn't really offer any specifics against that so everyone's kind of thinking oh is this is he going to be at fall camp then is he going to be there for the start of the year and then it was Kind of back to reality once we got more of a definitive word uh, from Chip that he will, in fact, not be in camp and and likely going to miss the first three games. Uh, So you hope that other guys can fill that void. They'll get their feet wet a little more and then KLS can kind of slide right in.
0: One of those guys who filled the void last year when Josh Woods went down at the linebacker spot was Chris Barnes. Just had Nick an outstanding season, really blossomed last year. And he is one of four seniors expected to lead this linebacker core. And Nick, you were at Pac-12 Media Day and you got a chance to to get some audio from Chris Barnes. And he kind of described the difference between year one under Chip Kelly and year two. And here's what he had to say.
1: From the start at last camp, you know, going in, I was like, okay, new, new staff, new system. I got to learn it. You know, I guess there's a lot of stuff going on. This year, I'm comfortable, man. You know, and it's like that with everybody. We've been in this for a year, um, but we're, we're, we're well settled. Um, I feel like, you know, we're headed in the right direction this year. Um, the vibe is different. You know, we're all out there competing. And it's just not like guys out there running around just to make a through practice. You know, guys out there with a purpose now. I think that bit at the end there, Brian, really says a lot. Guys aren't out there running around. You're not trying to figure out maybe what a coach is going, what's going through their head, what they're thinking. I, You know, if you've played sports, you've always thought, you know, what's coach thinking as I'm playing right now? What, what's going through their head? How can I impress them? Now everybody knows what's to expect, it, what's to be expected, and what they need to do. So now you can just focus on executing every single day and I don't think you can understate how much that will mean for this program because you look at just how stripped down things were at the beginning of last year and then by the end of last year you you were able to see the benefits of that methodical approach and then with another offseason going into fall camp, it's really the prevailing theme for UCLA at Media Day last week was year one to year two.
0: and and Nick you can't cheat experience right so you have a year of getting the system down and look there's been a lot of turnover within UCLA coaches even under Jamora they've changed up coordinators and then you've brought Chip Kelly in so there are a lot of guys who've been with the program for many years that have not had continuity. And this is like the first time for some of these veterans where they're getting the same thing as far as scheme, as far as playbook, two years in a row. And there's such a power to that when guys are familiar and they have an off season and they know that what they learned in year one is going to be very similar to what they will do in year two. Darnay Holmes, cornerback, five-star outstanding player and we all know cornerbacks nick they love to talk so after spring game he was asked about the difference under chip kelly with it being a second year and he said quote we got no ceiling we got no roof he is fired up he understands his role and it's going to change because i think he will have a little bit less pressure on him because the pass rush will improve. The defensive line will bring more pressure themselves, which I think will alleviate more pressure on the back end with Darnay Holmes. And Darnay Holmes does not, Nick, get enough credit for what he does and what he continues to do to lead this team. His work ethic is off the chains. You know guys, they come in, they follow what he does, his body language. And so when you have a guy like that, who is at the top of his game. And I know we're going to talk about preseason accolades, and he was the second team all-conference. And sure, they're just preseason accolades. You can't really put much stock in that. We'll discuss that more later in the show. But to have a, a five-star guy in Darney Holmes really start to understand how his role will change and how he feels so much more confident this upcoming year It's really got to boost up the fan base to hear that.
1: Oh, for sure. And and talking with Chris Barnes last week, he mentioned how much Darnay has taken on a leadership role for the secondary and for the defense as a whole. I I think everybody looks up to that guy. And, And you touched on it. I think the key thing, especially in football, when you have so many moving parts, is getting guys to buy in and understand their roles. When guys not only understand their roles, but they buy into it and are able to execute them, that is when great things happen. And it's guys like Barnes, it's guys like Darnay that are setting the tone for that, that I think are going to help this team this year.
0: Getting guys to buy in is so much easier when they start to see the success of their hard work, when the wins start coming. And even though Chip Kelly does not believe in momentum, he certainly has made that clear in many an interview, that is for sure. But as a fan, Nick, you have to look at this. You beat USC late in the season last year, and then you had the loss to Stanford, and you had a couple— tough losses down the stretch, but they were very close. So if you're of the belief that moral victories do exist, and I know Coach Kelly says the heck with those, but if you're a fan, you've got to be impressed with how much improvement happened once we got to the middle of last season to the end. And yes, it doesn't necessarily show in the wins and losses column, but it will continue to vault this team forward in a big way as we get ready for fall camp.
1: Yeah, he was asked about momentum a couple times last week, and he said, "Well, by you know, by that logic, we lost our last game, so we should be on a downward trajectory coming into this year." He was laughing as he said it, uh, but I think the you know your point is still well made in that you know they were competitive the latter half of the year, in, in ways that they weren't competitive at the start of the year, they were much more competitive at the end of the year, and and the players felt that, even though they ended. This season with that loss to Stanford, they were pretty competitive with Stanford and they haven't beaten in a little while. And then in spring, that sense of forward momentum for, you know, positive improvement continued. Uh, and, and I think we're just really excited. What We're a month away. We're exactly a month away from that first game. We're really excited to see what the results of the latter half of last season and then this off season will produce.
0: On the notion of being competitive, Chip Kelly, as shrewd as he is, will always find ways to get a competitive edge. And a lot of times, it's unconventional, it's outside the box, but the players love it. We will discuss coming up after this break, one way during this offseason, Chip Kelly is teaching his guys how to enhance their competitive edge in a way that you might not consider football material. Hey, welcome back to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. You can catch us on Twitter. Nick Cope is at NKOOP. And I'm Brian Fenley. Brian with a Y. We are so glad to be here under the Locked On podcast series. We, again, are part of the Learfield IMG College Network for UCLA. We host a Bruin Insider Show on Tuesday. And, of course, we encourage you to watch that or to listen to that, I should say. But... As far as conversation towards this season in football, we think about what year two is going to look like compared to year one for Chip Kelly. And we know Chip, Nick, is someone who will do whatever it takes to gain a competitive edge under the NCAA rules. And sometimes it's unconventional. Sometimes it's outside the box. And in spring, it's been chess. In fact, they've brought in a chess master It started out as something just for the quarterbacks to hone in on and work on their mental game and and maybe their mental warfare that goes on within the trenches of football. And it's since spread to other position groups who have taken an interest in chess. In fact, Joshua Kelly is one, and he certainly is more than a pawn in Chip Kelly's offense. And Nick was at Pac-12 Media Day, and Kelly was asked about the importance of chess and how it benefits the team. We have a guy named Seth. He's amazing. Seth is awesome. He's like this chess grandmaster, man. So, like, what he's doing is that, like, he's been able to open our minds up to seeing the game in a new perspective. I talked to him a few times about it. He's like, "What are you watching during film? Should be watching the linebackers. Should be watching how are they tackling. Like, who's moving where? It should be all the little details."
1: It was really interesting hearing. Joshua Kelly talk about him because he, he you could hear it in his voice at the beginning of that clip. He was really excited. Uh, Seth Mikowski is the gentleman's name. He's head of the Mikowski Group, which is a sort of management consulting firm, but he coaches chess. He's used that to help athletes, it, and he's just kind of a do-all, industry-all. He, he'll help any industry to look at things in a different way and, and make improvements. So you heard there how he is able to help Joshua Kelly a little bit. Um, And and I think we're going to see maybe a different Joshua Kelly this year. Obviously he ran the ball so dang well last year, top 10 in the nation in rushing. And, And this year he's talking about the improving the little things, pass protection, route running, and even as a receiver too. That'd be fun. I think to see him, out of the backfield a little bit more
0: and quietly last year, Joshua Kelly had the third most catches on the team. And yeah, that was one of the reasons that Joshua Kelly came back is to improve as a pass catcher. Chip Kelly had noted that for the first time, I think ever in NFL history, that last year there were more passes thrown than runs last year in the NFL season. So that presents the question, for Joshua Kelly to come back and hone in on that, which would add just an extra element to his offense. It was interesting that Austin Burden, the quarterback for UCLA, he, he talked about the chess master and said, you know, he has worked with other NFL draft prospects and, and Dwayne Haskins, of course, the quarterback from Ohio state now in the NFL. And when you think about the mental warfare Nick in chess and also the fact that a lot of these guys are now thinking about chess as it relates to football in the sense of I want to know what my opponent's doing five steps before they do it so they're looking at it from how can I get an edge on my opponent by sort of surmising in my mind their moves or thinking what they might do before they do it So that I'm ready to defend or to capitalize or to exploit that on the football field.
1: And it's also how can I set myself up? You know, what steps can I take? What things can I do to then maybe, you know, affect a response and then take advantage of that? So that, you know, there's so many moving pieces in chess, there's so many moving pieces on a football field. Um, and for all the physicality that playing football requires, it also requires you to be able to think and process so quickly. So it makes sense to have a chess coach come in and get you to keep your mind fresh. I feel like must've been kind of the biggest, uh, purpose of this is, you know, you, you, You find this in any field. You can fall into sort of a a creative rut. So now here's a way to get you to think of things and look at things at a different perspective.
0: Austin Burton also said to reporters that he went up against Dorian Thompson Robinson in chess. And according to Austin, he quotes, in chess, killed DTR. So, (laughs) yeah, that's just chess. And I'm sure it's a whole another story on the football field. But I know we'll talk more about this, Nick, in the weeks coming. As far as, like, is there a quarterback battle? Are we pretty much assuming that DTR has the job? And, yeah, maybe he does. But at the same time, I don't think Chip Kelly ever wants a guy to think he has the job. Because if you do that, you're obviously going to be complacent. You're obviously not going to have the highest of competitive edges and you drop your guard down and I don't think you reach a level of potential that could be reached if you were to feel like there was somebody always gunning for your job.
1: Well, what are you talking about right there? You're talking about mental things again. And yeah, yeah, it, it makes ton of sense. And I think throughout the spring, the kind of the Overriding thought was, yeah, DTR, he's the guy, but Austin Burton's looked pretty good as well. So he's always going to be looking over his shoulder, I think, through fall camp, and as you said, you know Chip Kelly is not going to let DTR think that this is his job, and he's going to you know say, this is up for grabs. He said that week to week, you have to earn your job and practice every single week going into the game. Uh, So there's no reason to think, that that idea is going to change come fall camp.
0: Yeah. In piggybacking off what you said, Nick, it's a direct correlation using chip Kelly's words, how they practice Monday through Friday is going to show how they perform in games. And that is how they can tell how they're going to perform. It's fascinating. And it's something that we'll continue to look at as the fall camp continues. Now, When you were at Pac-12 Media Day, Nick, they have all these projections, right, of what team's going to finish first. And that was Utah this year in football. And then they also have the conference preseason accolades, first team, honorable mention, second team. And so UCLA gets picked third to finish in the Pac-12 South. Now, okay, Yeah, tied there with uh, ASU. So yeah, so people are thinking, and I've seen some gambling lines, six wins, five and a half to six and a half is what they're thinking UCLA will have as far as wins this year. So with that said, there were 35 media members who came up with this belief that UCLA is going to finish third or tied for third in the Pac-12 South. Now, let me remind you that you probably shouldn't take a lot of stock in what these media members say because they have only picked the winner in the conference four times out of the last 12 years that is like 33 percent win percentage and the only other job that you can hold with that kind of win percentage is if you're a meteorologist
1: or if uh, or if you play baseball right
0: <laughs> yes yeah. well that is true that is true yes
1: well what is weird though about how it It works. So Utah picked to win the South by an overwhelming margin, which I think everyone would say is fair. They are the favorite. But then they get 12 votes to win the Pac-12 championship game. But if you delve a little little further, Oregon has 11 votes and then Washington has nine. So really what the, the media said and what the preseason poll says is, whoever wins the North is going to win the championship game, but just by sheer totaling up the numbers, technically Utah has to be the favorite, but I have a feeling, and the numbers reflected, Washington or Oregon, Oregon being kind of a, a hot pick this year, those are the two teams people really think are going to win the conference.
0: But again, I, I encourage fans, and I know Nick and I, we, we don't take a lot of consideration into these preseason fantasies of where people are supposed to land, what teams are supposed to finish where, because as far as the PAC 12 is concerned in the media, there's not a track record of, of really getting it right a lot. In fact, they have predicted the conference champion 31 out of 58 times, 31 out of 58 times. That is not the, the greatest. And, and, As far as the individual honors, preseason-wise, UCLA did not get any. They did get one in second team with Darnay Holmes, which I honestly, not even if I'm biased, Nick, but I think he deserves to be in the first round, but I'm sure he will prove that this year. And then honorable mentions, you've got Theo Howard, Joshua Kelly, J.J. Molson. There are a lot of guys that should have been on this preseason watch list per se for UCLA that did not make it are there some names that you feel like really kind of got snubbed and again it's only preseason stuff but what names maybe stick out to you who should have made at least one of those lists
1: well I I thought Joshua Kelly I was really surprised he wasn't on first or second team considering he was a top 10 back in the entire nation last year I was I, I was when the list came out, I was looking for his name. I was like, well, where is he? And then he had to turn over to the honorable mentions, which means he still did get some votes and some recognition. And you look at who was in front of him, Eno Benjamin, Zach Moss. You say, all right, yeah, those guys are good backs. Uh, Jamar Jefferson and J.J. Taylor on the second team, also really solid back. So I think right there just kind of speaks to the depth of the conference and running back. Uh, but I felt like beyond that, I, I couldn't really – Uh, imagine you know when you take in the whole scope of the conference, who else might have been on those lists? I thought Theo Howard and J.J. Molson being on the honorable mentions was fair. And that Theo Howard, I think we'll talk about the receiving group, going to be really interesting this year for the Bruins. But he's going to have a big opportunity uh, to have a big year. And if he does just that, he will end up on one of those first two teams.
0: And I love... Dio's personality, Nick. I know you've had a chance to be up close with him. He's very level-headed, and he doesn't necessarily do all the flashy things. He's not overconfident. He's not cocky. But the guy just produces, and I know we're going to talk more about him. But you think about this stat last year. 51 targets, 51 catches. This is a team that in the past has had problem with the drops. But when you look at a guy like Theo Howard, and besides him, there are a lot of receivers under him that don't have a lot of experience. They're very young, but they're very talented. But when they see a guy who just goes out there and gets the job done, no matter what, what a motivating force that's going to be for a very unproven, but again, athletic and talented wide receiver core.
1: Yeah, if you follow him on Twitter, you'll know that The zero drops is what he's most proud of. It's not that that laying out catch he made down the sideline against Oklahoma or, you know, touchdown catches he's had. You know, there's the diving one in the back of the end zone against Stanford at the end of the year. He's most excited about that perfect number in the drop category. And that's going to really be key this year. He's going to have to step up and be a number one target.
0: We are just scratching the surface as to all the different things that we are going to break down leading through fall camp and into the start of the football season. One of the things, Nick, we are going to talk about later on this week is we're going to break down the schedule. We're going to look at the opponents coming up, and we are going to point out the one position group that I believe and I'm sure, Nick, you might be on this with me here. We'll have the biggest improvement out of any other position group. We're going to break that down for you on Wednesday. And also Wednesday is the start of fall camp. So we'll have so much to get to. We'll provide sound from players and tackle all the different issues and hot topics around the UCLA football team.
1: Now we've got a month. It's... July 29th on uh, Sunday as we record this. And it is Thursday, August 29th that the season gets rolling. Feels like a lot of time, but it's going to go by so fast. And there's going to be so much to keep track of. And we will have you ready when the Bruins are in Cincinnati on August 29th.
0: We cannot wait for Nick Hope. You can find him on Twitter at NKOOP. I am Brian Fenley. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Fenley. It is a honor to be here and to be a part of the Locked On series in the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Bruins, our inaugural episode, and we will be back at it tomorrow. We will break down the schedule and discuss further more of the big storylines heading into fall camp.